0: When our older kids were in their younger days uh, and we turned on the TV and put something on for them, there was a program called the Big Comfy Couch. I don't know if any of you are familiar with it, it was really strange. It was this lady and this gigantic couch and everything. That was the setting for everything that took place on this PBS program. So. Uh, um, I wanted to kind of use that as a, sort of an extended uh, metaphor um, this morning uh, about getting up out of the big, comfy couch um, and just uh, talk about um, church participation, being a part and belonging to church. You know, over, over the past few years, it has uh, it's been a bit of a challenge to be connected, to maintain a connection uh, to local church uh, in our society in general overall, uh, it's no secret that uh, you know the climate doesn't actually really encourage participation in a church. Uh, there was a day uh, and a time when um, church life was actually woven into the fabric of society. This was way before my time, uh, but you know church buildings used to have steeples, and in that steeple was a bell. The church bell would ring at a certain point, and all of the town would shut down, and people would flock and congregate to, to church. Um, those days are long gone, right? We, we know that. And, and for decades, our culture has been on this direction that's just increasingly uh, secular. Um, oftentimes, it's not just indifferent towards church and and, and things of faith, it's, it's moving more in the direction that's towards, like, outright antagonism. Um, and then, uh, you know, a couple years ago, we had the COVID crisis. Um, the world shut down, and for the better part of a two-year time frame, Going to church meant very little more than tuning into a live stream for an hour a week from the comfort of your own living room, oftentimes in your pajamas. And truth be told, some got so comfortable doing church from the couch that they're still there. Uh, they, They haven't come back in nationwide uh, there are many, the statistics show that there are many who have yet to reconnect to church physically in a meaningful way. And, and I talk with pastors quite often, and they just tell me, yeah, there's, you know, the, my congregation pre-COVID, the, the average attender would come three out of four Sundays a month. But since COVID, it's just not that way. It's one out of four if, if things are good. And, and as a result... Um, Churches are struggling uh, around our nation. And so um, I thought this would be a good time at the beginning of September um, to talk and just kind of to give a a goodbye wave to Couch Church. Um, Of course, you guys are here this morning, so this doesn't apply to you. Um, uh, And there's a lot of good about church from the couch, right? If you are homebound... Um, if you're sick, some people are sick this morning, they can't be here and they're tuning in and that's a great thing. Um, it's a gift and it's a blessing. There, there are people who may be traveling and can't be here for a week and they can tune in and that's a good thing. And, and oftentimes when I talk to new people, I, hey, how did you learn about our church? What was your process of getting connected? Well, we found your website, we Googled, we found it, we checked out a, a live stream and then eventually we made our way here. And, and that's good. That's a good thing. It's a gift. It's a blessing. We're going to continue that. Um, And even actually this morning, um, we are testing out a new platform because our live stream has been, we haven't really put a high value on it. And we've like, it's it's like a toss up every Sunday. Are things going to work out or is something going to crash? And we're starting to address that. So this morning, Hopefully that's working out well, I don't know, but uh, we, we've, we're starting with a new platform today, um, so hopefully it's a better experience. But here's the thing, while, while Couch Church makes a decent supplement, it makes a bad substitute. It's a bad substitute for an embodied corporate church connection. Or, to put it in, in more modern terms, ain't nothing like the real thing, baby, <laughs> there's there's nothing that compares to authentic incarnational community surrounded by flesh and blood human beings, right? You know the kind, right? They they sweat sometimes, and sometimes they smell a little bit. Uh, you know, sometimes they sing off-key, like myself, you know, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Um, sometimes they even talk at a turn. It can be annoying. Um, they're all works in progress, just like you and just like me, and, and yet they have they've, they've made this decision to learn how to do life with Jesus together to do it together, committed and connected to a local church body. And over the last 19 years that, uh, that we've had this church, that we, since we started this church, it's, it's been people like that. Um, through ho- the Holy Spirit's just empowering presence, have made this church what it is. And there's some beautiful things about this church that I love, that when people come through the doors, they sense this, this atmosphere of love and of grace and of God's presence and things that we really pray for. Um, and, and so this morning, I want to just take a little bit of time to, to celebrate that, um, to celebrate that connection and that community. Um, and I want to do that by turning to Ephesians chapter 3. Um, It's actually to a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for a local church body uh, a long time ago, but I do believe there are some connections that what he prayed to to the Lord about for this church is also a relevant prayer for, for our church today. And really what he prayed for is that the Lord would cultivate a supernatural community, and, and I believe as this prayer gets answered, it, it really gets to the heart of, of what church is meant to be, not only back then, but still today. So if you have a Bible, um, it's going to be right behind me in the screen as well. I'm going to read the whole thing. Uh, Ephesians chapter three starting in verse 14. and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine or or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's, That's... That's a prayer. That's a powerful prayer. It's a prayer that's asking God to turn a church into a supernatural community. That that God's people would grasp God's heart and not settle for anything less when it comes to his bride, the church. This, This passage is probably the prayer that I have prayed most for over the years for our church um, and, uh, and so I'm excited to unpack it again this morning, and I'm pretty sure, I have a feeling, that when a prayer like this starts to get answered, it, it seldom gets answered through that kind of marginal couch church connection. It's, it's, it's showing us three things that I want to look at that I believe are worth leaving the big comfy couch for. Um, and the first is, is this, this presence of God, the God factor. So the, the prayer is asking God to turn an ordinary gathering of people into something extraordinary, that, that it would become a temple, a, a place through which the manifest presence of Christ would, would dwell. Um, so, so that word, uh, for for dwell in Greek, it's katakosoi. Sorry, I don't think I pronounced that right. My Greek is not that great. Kata, katakoskesai, something like that. Um, anyway, it describes the location where someone lives at, the place that you call home and reside in. And so if you were to ask me, I katakosoi um, on Cornish Road in Carmel, that's my home address. It's where I live. Now, there's a lot of other places where you might find me during the course of the week. You'll find me at the grocery store picking up eggs. You might find me at the office. You might find me out on my bike, but none of those places are where I call home. Um, The Bible makes a pretty big deal about the place that the living God calls home here on this planet. He is present, of course, everywhere in all of creation, but there is a particular location where he chooses to to manifest his presence. Uh, In the Old Testament, there's just so much talked about, the temple, this physical location. If you wanted to encounter the Lord, his manifest presence was was found in the temple. That That was his home address. But since Jesus... There was this total paradigm shift that took place. God's residence is no longer connected to a physical place. Now it's connected to a people, a spiritual community. So if you want to encounter the living Lord Jesus Christ, gather together with his redeemed people. That's that's where he is present in a special way, and it's what we call church, which... In, in the Bible, church has nothing really to do with a building. It has everything to do uh, with, with the community. Um, now in Ephesians, the chapter previous to this one, the, what, what precedes this prayer is this, is this, um, this passage that just unpacks God's incredible design. For church, that that it weaves together all kinds of people from different places, from different backgrounds, and he unites us together in Christ to become a place where where God manifests His presence into a temple. It actually says that in verse twenty-two, he says, "And in Him you are being built together to become a dwelling, a temple in which God lives by His Spirit." Uh, by the way, just to just to clarify. Most of the yous in scripture, particularly the ones in this passage, when you say you, when you read you, it's not you singular, right? If we were from the South and we were translating this, it would be y'all. It's, it's you plural. And so when you're reading the yous, it's, remember, this was a letter written to a church, not just an individual. And so it's not just me, it's, it's we, it's a plural thing. And... Uh, you know, I, I think that's something that's, that's worth getting up off the couch for, right? That this, this beautiful thing, I love that, that when we gather together here on a weekly basis, we're, we're not all the same. Have you noticed that? Look around this room. We are not all the same. We got different age groups. We got different nationalities. We got different income levels. We've even got different political affiliations. Oh my gosh, under the same roof. How could that happen? Well, you see, that's not what unites us. Something bigger than all those things unites us. His name is Jesus. He's, he's the glue that binds this community together, and, and, and we encounter his presence together in this gathered community in a special way. Not the only way, but in a unique way in, Jesus himself said that where two or more are, are gathered in my name, Jesus says, count me in, save me a seat, I'm going to be there. You know, McDonald's, uh, they, they put the special sauce on the Big Mac, and they say, this is, this is what does it. This is what makes a hamburger into something more. Um, KFC, they got the Colonel's special recipe. That's what separates it from all the other fried chicken that's out there. Although I gotta say, we keep a container of that Chick-fil-A sauce in our fridge. That stuff is good. (laughs) On just about anything. That is some good stuff. Um, But the manifest presence of Jesus, that is, that's the special sauce of the church. This that is what sets this people apart from just being any other gathering of people from any other civic organization. It's, it's the God factor. We come, we gather, and we expect to encounter him in, in a different way, in a fuller way together than we would when we're just apart on our own. So from your couch, you can hear some good music. You can listen to some good teaching But the gathered church, that's the place to go to encounter the manifest presence of Jesus Christ in the present tense. That's the first part of the prayer. And the prayer goes on and asks the Father to bring this church into a deeper, fuller, and richer grasp of the mind-blowing love of Christ. So he says that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now now this church that Paul's writing to They weren't an unloving church. That wasn't the problem. And and they weren't uninformed about God's love either. That wasn't the problem. In fact, it's just the opposite. Paul, Paul affirms they'd already been rooted and established in love. The issue is simply this, that there is just so much more to God's love than what they had been experiencing at that present moment. And just in case you're wondering, what was true of them applies to every one of us as well. There is more to God's love than what you and what I am experiencing right now at this moment. There always is and there always will be because the love of God is vast. Describes it as being immeasurable. I... Follow Major League Baseball a bit, and Major League Baseball is the sport that loves statistics. They measure everything. The latest measurement is to, uh, to, is to measure exit velocity, right? Not only how fast was the ball pitched, um, not, but it's now it's the speed that the ball was hit at off the bat. And of course, when it comes to the home run, they always want to tell you, here's how far it traveled, and it's good Keeps a boring game interesting by sharing all these statistics, right? But that works for baseball. But when it comes to the love of God, it doesn't work because there's no scale, there's no ruler, there's no compass, there's no measurement big enough to measure the vastness of it. The love of God, it says, surpasses knowledge. Beyond the boundary line of what the finite human mind is Capable of comprehending. And yet, at the same time, this prayer here that Paul's praying for this church, he's asking God to somehow supernaturally reveal it, download it into the hearts of God's people so we'd be able to grasp how great it is. But he says, You don't grasp it on your own sitting on the couch. He says, Together. Together with all the saints that we grasp the height, the depth, the width, and the length of the love of God. You know, we desperately need to know more of God's love. We need it. None of us, not a single person in this room, not a single human being you will ever encounter is ever going to be a know-it-all when it comes to knowing God's love. And there may be no greater prayer we can pray for ourselves, for our church, for the people in our lives that we love than this. No more of God's love because the love of God is life-changing. There, there, there's this connection here that, that Paul's praying for in this, in this passage, this connection between comprehending God's love and, and seeing God's, God's work take shape in our lives He says, Lord, help them to know and to grow in your unfathomable love. Why? Because he says, as that happens, the outcome is that they'd be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Do you know that every step forward in your spiritual walk with the Lord, it's a step deeper in his love? Not the conditional kind of love that says, I'll love you if. God's love is unconditional. God's love says, I'll love you even if. It's not the selfish kind of love that's always looking out for, hey, what's in it for me? It's the selfless kind of sacrificial love that seeks out what's best for you. This is the love that led Jesus, the sinless son of God, to the cross, where he laid down his life and he gave up his all. He said he laid it down so that people like you and me who come to the table with nothing in terms of making ourselves right except just this record of all of our shortcomings, all of our failure, all of our rebellion, and Jesus laid down his life so we could be reconciled, made right again with God, I didn't deserve what Jesus did. There's nothing about me that that earned it, but he did it anyway. He did it because I needed it. And he did it out of love. If you want to most clearly see the love of God, just look at the cross. Look at the cross, and you will see this infinite well of God's love It's the ultimate expression of love and it's a life-changing love. I just pray for us. Lord, give us a greater grasp of how vast your love is so that we would start to comprehend it's greater than all the reasons that I can come up with in my mind why you shouldn't love me. There's so many of them and yet he still does. And here's the thing. We comprehend in community. So it happens together with all the saints. So comprehending the love of God, understand this, it's a team sport, okay? You see, church is, is God's laboratory of love. And, and as we encounter God's love on our own in a vertical way, right? And then we get the chance, as we come together, to extend that horizontally. to to extend that same unconditional love that we receive from the Lord to each other in the relationships that we have. And I don't know about you, but in my life, I can tell you personally, that's that's where it gets real. That's, That's where that prayer gets answered. When I see God's love expressed through the means of a human vessel, when they're generous with me, when I deserve to not be treated generously. When they give me grace and forgiveness because I blow it, that's life-changing. And So how how awesome is it to be a part of a community like that? To be on the giving end of that and other times to be on, on the receiving end of it. And again, just to say we, you don't get that kind of love from sitting on a couch. It doesn't matter how comfortable it is. It's never going to be a substitute uh, for the real thing. One, one final factor of this prayer, and uh, let me just read how the, how the closing goes. It says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen. There's there's two promises in this closing of this prayer. Um, Huge promises, actually. The first one is that God is always able to do more than we know. His abilities extend beyond our imagination. The word can't doesn't apply to him. And that's something, again, that's just too big for our finite minds to comprehend. We have no idea what God is capable of doing. All of us are always underestimating what he's able to do. And add to that the second truth that the God who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine, says he is at work In our lives, in his church, the infinite God chooses to make our lives, his community called church, his his construction zone. This is where I want to go to work in a special way. He's working on you. He's working on me. And, And I know in my life, there's a lot of work to be done. He's really patient. And when you put those two things together, it just comes in the form of a challenge. What does it mean that he is at work in my life? What does it mean that he is at work in your life, in this church, and that there is nothing that's beyond his ability to do? How does that change the way we go through life, the way we look at challenges? There's, there's no challenge in your life that he can't overcome. It means that, right? It means there's no work in this church community that he cannot accomplish. It means there's no hang-up, there's no attitude that's beyond his ability to change. And so it, it kind of challenges us to, to stop living our lives by our own limits. Because we hit our limits early and often, right? take a step of faith, and start living according to his limits. Maybe we stop using that word, I can't, right? We use that so often. Maybe we stop saying things that this is just the way it's going to be. It's the way it was, it's the way it is, and this is just the way it's going to be, right? Jesus, he like conquered death, He rose from the grave to life everlasting. If he did that, he's won your salvation. Then we can't bring that kind of attitude towards the things that we deal with on a daily basis. And it means that there's things that he still intends to do in your life and in this church we are a local expression of the body of Christ. We are the, the hands and the feet of Jesus. And so really, it's, it's less about this. It's less about what we do for him, right? Sometimes we can think that way. It's more about what does he intend to do through us? What redeeming work does he intend to accomplish through this local body? So we could be a beacon of light in this local community. So so we can be a place where people can walk into and and sense something different here. The love of God is embodied in this place. To be a place where people can grow and find healing for the hurts and their hang-ups. To be a place where where people can come and start to understand what it means to, to live By grace. Because they've been out in the world and they just have never seen grace. So this could be a place of grace. It could be a place where people can come and connect with a savior and find a salvation that is more precious than silver. More costly than gold. That's a a beautiful thing. And it's something that is... Worth getting up from that big, comfy couch. It beats that big, comfy couch every day and twice on Sundays. And it kind of um, finds expression at some level in the response of, I'm in, right? I'm in. I, I am on board with that agenda, not because it's comfortable, but because it's worth it. You know, uh, we make these commitments, these promises to, to each other, and that becomes like the platform for, for doing life. So, uh, hey, today's a good day. Um, it's our, Diane and I, 28th anniversary today. You can clap, thank you. I'm clapping too, 28 years ago, and uh, we, stood in front of a church and made these vows to each other, these incredible promises to each other. And that's really become a platform. 27 years for everything that we share together. There's been some really good times. There's been some really challenging times. And and that covenant is what's allowed us to experience that. And, you know, there's certain times when you just kind of like, Hey, let's take out those vows again. Let's let's renew them. Let's just dust them off and make sure we're still maintaining those. And uh, well, we just want to do that this morning, not for our marriage. We'll do that, you know, on our own, but um, as a church body. Um, you know, there's many of us here who have been a part of this church for a long time, and uh, there's been several different seasons. And also at this time. This past year, we, we've had many, many new people uh, come and get connected to church. We had two exploring membership classes, and people just got the uh, idea of here's what church is all about, here's how we're doing it here, and, and I want to be in on it. And like, I'm just overwhelmed with excitement about all the great things that God is doing. But I just want to, you know, we, we thought today maybe we'd, we've never, we don't really put a big, Highlight on you know official membership and that kind of thing, um, so we're not going to like ask people to stand up and come forward and all that kind of stuff. Um, but what I do want to do is just kind of take out the um, the church covenant. This is like the this is kind of like the vows, right? Um, the The idea of this is what we're by the grace of God um, covenanting to, and and it says uh, just just four things. Well, four things with a few under four things, so there's more than four things. But uh, the, first, the first big heading is uh, to protect the unity of my church by, by acting in love towards each other, uh, by refusing to gossip, uh, by adhering to our doctrinal statement and committing to not be divisive to its teaching, by following biblical leaders, by following biblical procedures for church discipline and submitting myself to that should that need ever arise. So that's protecting the unity of the church, Uh, to share in the responsibility of the church by praying for its growth and health, by identifying and reaching out to those in my life who have yet to to receive Jesus Christ, by, by warmly welcoming those who visit on Sunday mornings. That's sharing in the responsibility of my church. Number three is to serve in the ministry of my church by discovering my gifts and talents, by using my spiritual gifts to help build up the church, by committing to an ongoing church ministry, And so that's uh, serving, and then finally to support the testimony of my church by living a godly lifestyle, by pursuing personal spiritual growth through regular Bible study, prayer, and other spiritual disciplines, by attending faithfully, and by giving generously and regularly towards the financial needs." And so that's how we support uh, the testimony of this church. And so I just wanted to read those out loud in this place this morning as just a way to celebrate this, Um, not as burdens, but as a blessing. Uh, It's not comfortable. um, It's not convenient. There's a commitment involved in it, but this is kind of... That's what life is about, right? We make these commitments and we live them out and, and, and that's, how, uh, that's how life gets lived. And we've just had so many people over the years who have just said, hey, I'm on board. I'm in and uh, that's what's made this church uh, the place that it is. And so on a day like this, we just get the chance to celebrate that, uh, to welcome those of you who have just you know, taken that next step and for those of you who are just kind of new here, you just get a little bit of a pulse. This is, this is the kind of place we are. This is the kind of people we are. This is the things that we're about. And uh, we're just uh, really excited about that. So uh, I'm going to pray and close. And, you know, we get the chance on a day like today to uh, spend a little bit of time afterwards. Um, kind of living this stuff out, right? Just not just uh, being here, but uh, sharing some food together and sharing some conversation together. So uh, I hope this is good. Lord, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much.